Hey, Jared, you like movies? Nah. Oh, shit. Marcus, you like movies? Yes, I do. All right, this is Zebras in America, a podcast about movies. Uh, Nuno Felt, new book, Nuno Felt by Madeline Sorrell, out now. Seltzer, all types of shit, singularity, uh, snuffleupaguses, all, uh, having neighbor, my neighbor Totoro plushies on my table. I'm Scott Thoreau, you are... Marcus Pinn. And we have a guest today. Uh, if you, as as you may have heard by the third voice, or you thought we were doing voices, but like when I do voices, it's like, "Hi, hello, my name is Scott." It's like, what kind of voice is that? That's how, although accurate, when you did your Mister Complex impersonation, that's that's kind of accurate. That's pretty deep, though. So, <laughs> uh, we have today Jared Gilman, or as I, I as I like to say, Jared Trillfam. Uh, Likely well-known as playing Sam in the Wes Anderson-helmed period Bill Dung's Ramon Moonrise Kingdom, which was my mom's first Wes Anderson movie. She called me and was like, this movie's so cute. You need to see it. It's so nice. All these actors that I don't like are acting in ways I like. (laughs) It's like almost verbatim what she said. Wow. Um, And you also played a male student in Patterson. I did, yeah. You're obviously more than that, so give us a little... The Jared, the Jared Gilman, uh, you know, or, or as some people say, Jared Chillman sort of point of view. Um, well, yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm an, I'm an actor. I'm also a film student. I, I uh, don't like movies. I love movies. Nice. Nice. Uh, what else? Um, well, so, yeah, I've done, like, those two. Those are, like, I guess, like, my most well-known roles. Uh, and then I've done a couple other films that, I guess, didn't, you know, break as big. But I, I enjoyed making them, for sure. And then I, I have one I filmed a year ago during the summer. And it's finished post-production. just needs to find a place to premiere it. Uh, like a festival or whatever. Nice. Anything you can say about it, or uh, it's like a, it's a high school movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I am a leading part in it, uh, and uh, I had a lot of fun making it. And oh, hopefully, cool. people have a lot of fun watching it. But we'll see what happens when it comes out. And you uh, you are wearing headphones. I am, which makes me think you like rap music. Yeah, I do. I like a lot of music. Uh, so, to, to what you know, this is a movie podcast, sure. but. Movies are so many things. Sure. So you like There's music and movies. Yeah, yeah. You're also wearing, I believe, a taxi oh, driver yes. shirt oh, yeah. or some and sort of yeah, Travis, Travis Bickle. Driver. Travis Bickle. So yeah. you know, like quotes. Okay, like I didn't quotes. see. It's got all the characters. It's got yeah. sport yeah. on it. I got like, it at a, a like a fan art, like a Scorsese fan art uh, show. Spoke art. They're really cool people. That is a really cool shirt. We, uh, you know, taxi driver gets talked about enough on other film podcasts. So. Sure. Sure. If there's if there's some deep cut Scorsese, we're down to talk about it. I love After Hours. Would you count that as a yes, deep cut? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I need to get well. Being an being an NYU student, I feel like I need to really brush up on my Scorsese, just because I've only, I haven't seen like every single one of his films, but I've seen like they're showing. Yeah, he does have I think a lot. they're showing the triptych New York Stories soon somewhere. All right. mm. Oh, that, that's 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 a good one. His part. Have you seen New York Stories? I haven't. So it's it's a, it's a triptych of uh, Woody Allen. Uh, Coppola. Coppola, but you, one, some could argue actually Sofia Coppola, not Francis Ford, mm. and also a story, uh, a film from Martin Scorsese, where Nick Nolte plays this artist uh, who who falls in love with his, all of his assistants, and it's one of my one of my favorite Scorsese mm. things. So if you like After Hours, I feel like you would like this. And I love that that story 
was sampled on Rock Marciano's second album, the Nick Nolte, yeah. Patricia Arquette yeah. one. Yeah, and there is a documentary about the artist who did the art for that movie. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned yeah, yeah, you mentioned on the Rob yeah, Cotto, yeah, yeah. Rob Cotto episode. What up, Rob? What's up, Rob? Sorry, sorry for having trouble with Woody Allen, but I still love you. Mm. <laughs> Hi, Doug. You ever smoke PCP? <laughs> uh, no, I have not. Uh, but no music. What kind of? Music oh yeah, do you have? so. Uh, uh, so like right now I'm listening. I've been kind of going back and forth between um, the new Milo and the new Brockhampton, and uh, then like as for like non-new albums, I have been listening. I've been finally getting got. I finally got around to listening to uh, "Hard Normal Daddy" by Square Pusher. Or like I'm midway through it. I haven't. I'm not sure if I've finished it yet, but I've been listening to it. And I've been really. I'm enjoying it. Like I like Square Pusher a lot, but I haven't. You know, I haven't gotten to like all of his albums. <coughs> Has anyone ever called you a hard normal daddy? No. Did you ever see the doc, the Warp documentary where they I like uh, it? A lot of the focus is on Square Pusher. Like you see his home studio, and it's one of those like when you see someone's as you you can attest, Scott. When you see someone's home studio, sometimes it makes you want to create. Right, mm. like that Square. It's just like his whole living room is just like all types of analog synths and and wow. MPCs and drum machines and all different kinds of basses because he you know I think his live performance is underrated for like Absolutely, programmed he, music along with live in- instrumentation because he's he's, a, he's like a virtuoso bass player yeah he is but he's also a very talented programmer yeah. and what's funny is I've read a lot that him and Aphex Twin are friends yes which, they are. which should be no surprise and they hate Autogre really do they yeah yeah they, wow! They like, so they must hate being mentioned all the time, off like of them in the same thing. sentence. Yeah, they they really do. I've read so many times that like they Oof. they just hate their music or everything about them. Oh shit! Yeah. I'm a fan of yeah, like all three. Yeah, all those guys. I yeah. yeah, I mean, in of the three, I listen to Aphex Twin and and Autekra Aut- 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 I've, I've heard. Aut- I've always Aut- heard Autekra. Yeah. But only well, from American people. Here's so. the here's the thing. Uh, are you American? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pronunciation is a form of oppression. So you know, I I feel like you can say whatever you want within reason, but I don't listen to Square Pusher that much just because it's so complicated, mm. and it can. I like that Aphex Twin and Autekra. They go really crazy, but still in the bounds of four four. Which mm-hmm. is which allows me to study or work out or mm-hmm. you know make a casserole or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I really couldn't say of the three. Maybe Otsaker. I might listen. To, I may have. I probably. I actually no. I think of the three, the one who's like music I've listened to the most is Otsaker, or the most of their like discography is Otsaker, and then it's almost I'm, like even even for me. I mm-hmm. um, although it's like. Feed Me Weird Things and Hard Normal Daddy are just, like, the two that I primarily listen to. I have all his albums, but, like, right. those two. Yeah. But Autsecker, I could just put... See, maybe it is Autsecker, because I could put those albums but on also, just on like, shuffle. Like, just, when, when you call those... It, if you put those names in, like, a regular sentence, it gets it, it, it gets uh, sexy. Uh, feed Me Weird Things, Big, big Normal Daddy. Big Normal Daddy, Hard yeah. Normal Daddy. Yeah, Hard Normal Daddy, like, uh, if, if you want, as long as it's consensual, consensual and respectful. <laughs> Everything is fine as long as it's respectful, consensual, and legal. Just saying. Of course. We don't. We don't. We don't sex shame at. at yeah, listen to this podcast. Yeah, we don't play that. We don't. Pl- we don't. We don't play that sort of shit. Yeah. But but yeah, just wanted to say, as long you know, all all sex is fine as long as it's consensual, respectful, reciprocal, and legal. All right. Nice. 
did never knew we were going into that yeah. on th- this episode. I was going to jump in too. Go. You were saying you had just d- discovered Ka recently, like his last album. Yeah, like I, I, I had known about him for heart. a little while, and I, I think I may have listened to like songs off of like his like previous few sure. albums. But like Herman and the Recluse was like the first time I I really like listened to one like front to back like a few times. Nice. <clears throat> and I, I yeah, it's like really good, like really unconventional, but like in a really cool way of just like very like melodic and 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 i feel like it it should be almost like marketed toward people who are maybe more turned off by rap or more turned off by like this literally i was just going to say i mean this in a good way it's almost like anti-rap or minimalist rap in that a lot of times like well one of my favorite rappers of all time is pharaoh munch but like a lot of times the best rapper is gauged on who can go the fastest, who can cram the most syllables, right. and he kind of just strips all, all mm-hmm. that down. So, If I may make a counterpoint to Yo. both of your statements, sure. if that's all right. I, yeah, I think Ka... Well, Ka has, like, a very complicated flow, but but he doesn't he doesn't rap fast. Most of his beats are in the slower region of BBMs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And <coughs> I do say that, that... It, I wouldn't call it anti-rap because it's just so rap. I understand why you would say that. I like to correct. I like what I, the, I think uh, minimalist rap is. More, I think I think minimal. Sure. I think minimalist. I would call it. Minim, it I would call. I would call it minimalist boom bap, just so people don't yeah. get it confused with like some of the ultra artsy quote unquote minimal rap of like the anti-con days. Sure. Because because it's not anything like that. Sure. And you would think that's minimalist. Some. When they sample like baby cries and trash compactors, <laughs> yeah, I like Anticon. That that sounded really. Simple. No, I'm, I'm just, I just, I, I, I just think it's. Imp- I'm not say- one. That's not all Anticon stuff. I, I and I and I know that I was being reductive. Sure, I'm saying that that like there's a lot. There is there has been minimalism rap, and it ha- happens to be like sometimes more conceptual or artful, and or like purposefully artful because I think Ka's music is very artful mm-hmm. and I think it I think it's minimalist but it's by no means anti-rap because the dude's just like like uh, a dude from Brownsville who was in who was like the fife dog of a rap group Natural Elements that had like a couple singles on Raucous yeah. and Nightbreed also yeah and he just he just tells these amazing parabolic stories over over I think it, I understand why you say it because his as he gets as he continues, there's less and less added drums to all of his tracks. Yeah. Right. So people people think of rap, they think of drums, mm-hmm. or they think of samples. Right. But what yeah. do you do when there are no samples? And my whole thing about like people who are like turned off to rap that want to be heard in another rap, like Ka doesn't need to be like someone's Beastie Boy CD in their like in their CD booklet. I know it's a, t- a timed re- reference, whatever. The CD book of like rock music or people who like I listen to rock music, but I have a Cypress Hill record. I just think people. There are people who may be turned off of like face tattoo rap because it's very loud. They go, oh, well, there actually is new rap being made that's very good. Couldn't couldn't agree more. That so that's mm-hmm. my that's my that's my counterpoint to sure. both of your excellent points. It's not a disrespect. It's just a yeah, uh, man, of course, another of course. comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although speaking of, don't you feel like he'd be his sample free production because Kaz also a producer. He could like score a movie I mean his movie his songs are cinematic yeah like what he tells I stories I think those are samples aren't they not in all the stuff isn't sampled at all some, some is some absolutely is but other stuff is like straight mm. from like he, he uses like he has a Casio keyboard uh, an MPC 1000 
he has a couple of keyboards. Like but some, where is some he of getting songs, those, those guitar sounds and like whatever he's doing? You know, uh, no, some I, are straight from his key. Like because he, it's weird. I yeah, listen like, to so like, much like super the, the Superfly single. Mm-hmm. That's clearly a oh single. yeah no he's definitely sampled, but other stuff is just like he gets he, it from he the keyboard. Like, rely on it. Yeah, yeah. Like other other rappers do. You know, there uh, I read in the greatest uh, music website ever, Pitchfork, mm. JK. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's like the worst. Mu- no, let me let me not. It depends Pitch, on what music. When Pitch, it comes to rap music, Pitchfork, their standards for rap music are a little. They Pitch, border on Pitchfork, race issues. Pitchfork but, uh, is tone deaf in their dealing with rap music. Yeah. Let me say that. Unless LP is associated with it, then they love it. That's mm-hmm. part of the tone deafness. Yeah, I think. Sure, sure, I hear no lies. Yeah. Um, I hear no lies here. Like they'll give like a Kanye record ten, a Kanye, a I recent can't. Kanye record ten. Literally. But then, like, give a little pump record three, and it's like, why? Not saying that either of them deserve high praise. I don't. Okay, so Lil Pump specifically, but Lil Pump's lane gets love from Pitchfork. That's in my a thing. way, but like in a gross sort of like race fetish. Yes. Well, that's okay. So we're going back to it. Yeah. Sure. But um, my thing is, so someone there started calling a lot of this rap post Markberg rap. Um, and I have problem with the term, but I like the idea. So Mark Berg being that record that Brock Marciano, Alchemist, and Oh No made a few years ago. Hmm. Like, just like how, like, there's a lot of, quote-unquote, like, st- like not arts, like, street rapping, but again, that's a weird term. Sure. Uh, rapping over not drum-heavy production or, or mm-hmm. production where the drums come from the samples. Like, right. Like, like Alchemist Russian Roulette or... Yeah. or Rock Marciano, Ka, Crime Apples, uh, the 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 brothers, um, West Side Gun. Oh, West Side Gun and yeah, Conway. Conway. Yeah, I I, I now recently I attribute that more to West Side Gun. Conway is back on those drums, pretty heavy. But West Side Gun is still just like the one four bar loop from a soul record for four minutes. West so Side yeah, Gun is still so I would just say like a post Mad Lib world. I exactly. Mean, Mark Berg, I just think is a weird starting off point because like. Even like the blue and mainframe record Johnson and Johnson from like twelve years ago mm. has no drums and yeah. it's amazing. And if you put that right next to a car record or you put that right that right next to a Rock Marciano record, you you, you won't skip a beat. Yeah. Or like the, the new Planet Asia record. That's his like, last two specifically last two that are yeah. actually like pretty good. Yeah. But but enough about us. <laughs> Uh, you're you're a grounded, well acclimated young dude, but you were a child actor. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did how did you like like you see all these kids that that are not successful and it, and it sucks because it also I feel like people like like watching people fail, mm. which is weird. Not all people. I some, think people but enough who, enough do. Maybe like. People find that like they deserve it, or you know, aren't. Yeah, which is a weird thing. Like, why would a child deserve pain? I I don't know. I think it's I think people get like very wrapped up in what they watch, you know, and then they say things even if they don't always mean it or or, or whatever. Or they'll yeah. listen to this interview and be like, "You're nothing like the kid in Moonrise Kingdom." Was written by Wes Anderson, clearly a different person than right. you are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember one time someone like ran and I got like recognized and like the person like recommended some sort of like it was some sort of scout thing or like an outdoorsy thing and the thing about me is I'm not like that at all oh really oh. like I'm not like an outdoorsy kind of hike I don't really hike I don't 
Right, you like Warp Records and Milo. You probably don't yeah. like Not to say that those fans don't like Milo. I gotta say, I've done this before. If you go on like a nice, go up to New Paltz, a nice hiking trail while listening to some classic Warp music like Autech, it's, it's really I cool. I have, well, really actually, cool. when, I, when I was a senior in high school, we have, it's like a tradition, uh, we have Senior Mountain Day where we go, I forget the name of the mountain, but we go, it's like in, in uh, upstate New York, I think. Oh, man. You're from the city? No, I'm from uh, New Jersey. No, but no. like we, field trip up there nice and uh we we climb it and then on the hike back i was like listening to what was i listening to i think it, it was um a few different things probably one of one of the groups we were talking about awesome how, but <coughs> we, we didn't uh sure how do you how do you stay like what do you think was what made you able to like be in this wildly successful film as a, as a oh. kid and oh. be like yeah you seem you're polite you're nice you seem like a regular person what do you what? i i think i i blame luck uh really interesting i i think i i just it was a lot of just me being in the right place at the right time kind of thing so i guess to sort of take you back to take you through my sort of journey uh i started acting i started taking acting classes when i was in elementary school like i think i was like in third or fourth grade or something and then through my acting coach, I met my managers and sort of signed with them. I like started auditioning uh, uh, for them when I was uh, eleven. When I was, I was like, it was May twenty ten. I was in fifth grade, and I only, you know, I went on like a few. Uh, Moonrise was like my third audition, I think, well. second or third, and uh, I did that. That was like in September twenty ten, and it. Yeah, and it took like six months, like for me to be cast. I did, I was called back three times. I, it's funny. I was gonna say, is that <clears throat> probably obviously, but I still have to ask: Is that one of those things where you show up? That role specifically seems like oh shit. There's like forty people that look exactly like me. When you go to was it that kind of? It thing? wasn't. I really oh. didn't. Well, when I first, my first audition, I definitely don't think I grasped like who Wes Anderson really was or, uh, uh, or like what the film was right. it was like another audition how old were you? I was 11 yeah so you probably... I had only seen Fantastic Mr. Fox and I had heard of like Darjeeling Limited and Royal Tenenbaums but I hadn't you seen pro- yeah you probably weren't like just like jamming to Bottle Rocket at the not, age of 11 not, 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 not at that point though I mean like I, I've always been like very like I've always been like a film person like right. since I was very little but anyway getting back to Moonrise um, so uh, with that first audition though I think another reason why I, I, I it didn't really settle for me was because the audition itself was a cold read. So, like, I didn't have any sort of sides or anything until I got there. And uh, it was, like, a, a scene that I only ever read that one time. I never saw it again. Um, but it was, like, a, a Sam and Susie, like, conversation that they had. I think it was, um, they, like, talk about, like, religion or something. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. he asks her, like, what religion she is and... The actually, if you have if it, it, it's my audition is actually on the Criterion, Blu Blu Ray mm-hmm. of Moonrise. You could watch it like like through there. Uh, I mean, and you're you're aware that you that you knocked that performance out of the park, right? Uh, thank you. Um, I mean, I, I sure. Uh, it's no, also, yeah, well, it's an important. Th- it it's it's needs to be said also because a lot of movies need to do this more where you have like this new upcomer surrounded by, like, 
Yeah, you had veterans you had and legends. Support. You, you know? had the support right. to really flourish. You know, yeah. But you're in a film with with a bunch of great actors, uh, yeah. and and you, like, I I wasn't sure where I was gonna go with my with my watching Wes Anderson movies because, you know, Darjeeling Limited was good, but it was like mm-hmm. it was it was it was just good. Sure. And this movie I wasn't planning on seeing, but mm-hmm. then my mom calls me and she's like, "This kid, these these kids, they're so good. You're gonna love it." And I have a strange question, and you don't uh, have... Well, you... I, here, wait. There's a little more to the audition thing, real quick, if I can mention it. Because I think it, this sort of is what I, I'm sort of Remember getting at with, like... I'm trying to, because I mean... Oh, sorry. Right right no, 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 go. No. No, because no, I, I think no. that, like, uh, it's kind of funny what, what happened. So, the thing about me, uh, before I got cast in Moonrise, I wore my hair down to, like, my shoulder. Oh, wow. Uh, like, I had really long hair. It was, like, all, like, long and wavy and weird, just because, like, I didn't have my first haircut until I was, like, three, just because, I guess, my mom decided to grow it out, and then just from then on, I was always just more comfortable having longer hair, basically. So you kind of look like the kid from Royal Tenenbaums. Even worse. I could probably find a picture. Oh, man. Awesome. Uh, (laughs) I look like the biggest fucking nerd ever, but... Anyway, so then because of the long hair, when I started auditioning, I, uh, I, oh yeah, and so then not only did I have long hair, I had, I wore different glasses. I wore like these like sports goggles, like the ones that have like the band that goes around the back of your head. Because I was a golfer and it was really lazy. I just like, my reasoning was like, because I'm a golfer and I always like my head is looking down at the ball. I didn't want to always have to be pushing my glasses. Um, Yeah, the Kurt Rambises. If you know who Kurt Rambis is, he's a basketball player known for wearing those right. uh, those kind. I I I've heard uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Yeah, also. well, they're they're from the same era. Right. Uh, so, I so when I started auditioning, I bought another pair of glasses that like were rimless on the bottom, where you could like actually see my face. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just purely for when I went on auditions. And so then, what happened with Moonrise though was that. Uh, I guess my my cause like you know is that you know my mom was like driving me into the city for for these thanks mom, uh, so thanks, we were thanks kind of all moms yes we were kind of like in a hurry because I guess we were running late because we got into traffic or whatever so we go to the parking garage like run out of the car run to the to the waiting room we get there and five minutes before I have to go in realize that I left my audition glasses in the car like several blocks away mm. and at oh, that man. point it was like too late for her to run back and grab them so I, I just I went in with the really goofy sports goggles and sure. my crazy hair and all that <laughs> and um, they had me do the scene and then and then like they asked me you know some personal questions and so then later I did some callbacks and that was when I first met Wes and then they had me read with like another girl who didn't get cast and then I found out March that following year that I got the part Nice. Um, and so then, you know, all throughout filming, I had always wondered, like, what was it about me that, you know, that he saw, or that, like, what was it that, like, kind of got, like, convinced him I was the person for the part? And so then it really wasn't until, like, we were doing press interviews, and I, I guess my mom watched one of his and showed it to me, and so, like, it turned out that, like, my look, when I first walked in, uh, with the glasses and the hair, was, like, one of the things that, like, had stuck out to him. I mean, you well because it's. It also sounds like you kind of look like the the kid that that uh, what's his face was studying in Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, maybe. I, let me find a picture. 
You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Wait, it's been a little while studying? since I've seen Royal Tenenbaums. Um, that Jason uh, Schwartzman was studying. And- no, not no, Jason Schwartzman. Then- in Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, yeah. there's there one of the guys. I, it might have been Bill. Bill Murray's character was studying oh, that kid. That cat has right. a dent in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I was, I was just thinking about that. That I was, was quoting. Yeah. yeah oh wow. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Who had the weird like. I forgot what the word was. Hurley or something? I yeah. forget what his name was. But I quote that line to myself a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. that. Yeah. You sh- there's no reason you should be embarrassed of that. That's, yeah, man. That's cool. a great, that's a great photo. <clears throat> Thank it, you. Should, look, also, there's one important thing about that photo. You're smiling. I am. So that means that you were, that you were happy. Well, or it meant that my mom told me to smile. <laughs> <laughs> she meant to take the picture. Right. Sure. Also, uh, worried. I know you said you're worried about looking about looking like a nerd, but I hate to break it to you that you're on a deep dive movie podcast. My house is surrounded by magic cards. DVDs. I meant not like that, but like I meant, I meant like the sort of just like I don't know. Uh, Sur- surrounded by magic cards, DVDs, <laughs> toys, cassette only rap albums, thirty different books on leftist politics. Copies. I mean, this stuff's cool. I like this stuff. Copies. I'm not, my, my comment wasn't Copies supposed of, to be a dig on, like, nerds or whatever. That was just me just making fun of myself. Right. Sure. My, my, my monologue I just wrote that you kept sorry. on interrupting sorry. Was, sorry. Just, was just a fun thing. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> you're good. No, you're totally good. Got copies of 2666 and Infinite Jest, which I did read. Wow. You're, you're still a nerd, and it's okay. And also... Um, for better or worse, mm-hmm. we live we live in a culture that embraces nerddom. I think yeah. it's no longer yeah no it really is not no it's no longer like a bad thing or a uh, yeah like I tell like, kids yeah I tell kids growing up in Carroll Gardens I literally got beat up for liking Star Trek mm. and I think mm-hmm. it's awesome that people don't get beat up for liking Star Trek now although now I feel like if people get beat up if you don't like that's a big that's a huge that's a huge problem that's a huge problem that's a different problem that actually we talked about on the most recent episode Mm -hmm. about how the the alt-right and and the sjw movement because that's left and right have picked up on on shipping and nerd culture and turned it into this like wildly negative political weird thing Mm -hmm. and that people now are like talking about wanting to change the world but seem to support like the systems that create these things instead of the people that are sure. part of it. Yeah. Which is like totally wild. That like, um, uh, the, the, this actress who's playing Catwoman on, not Catwoman, Batwoman. Oh, um, yeah. I like, had to get off internet. Yeah, uh, that, that, that or was Kelly really or, or, or uh, Tran from, yeah, like, from Star There's Wars. Multiple stories. And it's yeah. just like, like also just examples. like, like, hot take. Star Wars is a multi-billion dollar movie and it's not so if you're upset about the narrative about like the way that people are being treated you know join join a labor group go to your go get in get into local politics uh actually make your own comic book like you're 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 upset about the about a, a movie that cost 200 million dollars and the way characters were handled mm-hmm. like are you serious like yeah, there, there are bigger issues. I remember when that one, like Last Jedi, first came out. I saw. I think. I think it, I, I. I. wasn't planning on seeing it opening night, but it, a friend got tickets, sure. and then was like, "I hey, do you want to come?" And also, I was there's like, yeah, nothing sure, wrong. You're. There's nothing wrong with wanting to see a movie opening night. Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah. I'm just. I was just sort of saying because, uh, uh, and then I saw because I'm just saying I saw it opening night because at that point none of the sort of hate 
had happened yet. Yeah. It was, like, right before, or maybe during, like, the sort of, you know, critical, like, wave that Crit- sort yeah. of, like, all the really super hardcore fans were having. And so I, remember I saw it, I was like, oh, this is, it was a good movie, it was fun, I enjoyed it. And then, like, you know, I tweeted about it, and then I started seeing more and more, like, tweets just, like, really going at it. And I was just like, did, did we watch the same film? Yeah, like, I feel that like, way all the time about the Star Wars movies. Like, especially what? Star what? Wars, especially Star Wars. My thought about that movie is that it was fine. I liked it. I thought it yeah. was, I thought it was a fun, like, adventure, like... I mean, it was like a fun little science fiction movie. Yeah, I thought Ryan Johnson. I I I I I thought he did a pretty good job, like directing it. There, I thought like it was really nice looking, like for a big budget, you know, Hollywood movie. I thought it looked great. Yeah. For the most part, and I, you know, it makes me kind of interested to see what. <coughs> I mean, who knows now? But like, you know, if he gets to make his like trilogy or whatever, like what well, that right? Because like. he's not making nine. He's making yeah, his no, own he's trilogy. doing his own thing, and I think that is a smart. I think that's a, a wise way to go mm-hmm. because I'm because I'm interested. Because then also it's like the people who didn't like Last Jedi, they don't need to see the movie. They don't need to see it, but the yeah. people who did, you know, it's like an extra thing. I also like Ryan, with your dollar. I also like Ryan Johnson's trajectory as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of textbook, I, like, yeah. like from Brick Ugh. to yeah. like. Well, I love. I, love I, know, I know you love. Brick. I, I don't you know, know about like the bro- the brothers. Um, I'll be right back. You guys, bro- yeah, sure. For a yeah. Brothers Grimm, I'm not. Bloom, Jesus. Uh, I wasn't too crazy about that, but like Looper sure. was. I, really, I like Looper. Looper was cool. Yeah. And then like the, so it's literally, but then at the same time, not just his trajectory as a filmmaker. He's someone who still champions any chance he gets, like Shane Carruth. You know, mm. I don't know. If, have you seen Upstream? Color oh yeah, or, no, I'm or, a, yeah. I love Shane Carruth. So. Yeah, and Ryan Johnson like keeps his name alive through social media. Like just a random point. Like the guy who's now in the world of Star Wars will just yeah. be like, "Hey, my buddy Shane Carruth." just sent me his script and it's amazing I hope he gets to make it or just like yeah. like when he lists he'll talk about upstream color so I, I really really dig that uh, mm-hmm. very very much so mm-hmm. um, what were we going to say oh so so my question actually going back since sure. we were talking about going back to Moonrise Kingdom uh-huh. did you and Bruce Willis have a like a New Jersey connection uh, uh, did that, did that come up well they never really did we because you know my our scenes we only we only had like one real scene together sure which sure. was the in the uh, like his like uh, uh, mobile home, mm-hmm. uh, in like the you know like the morning we're like, having breakfast and mm-hmm. you know when we're on set we're just you know on set like doing right. the scene so we didn't really have a whole lot of time to like really talk like that mm-hmm. but I mean you know I had a pretty good experience like working with him like he was really nice he kind of quiet but you know not like in a mean way just in a, he was you know obviously this is sort of a I mean, just from my assumption, you know, it's a different film for him. Like, sure. You know, he was just, like, very focused. Especially at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, so we didn't, we didn't have that conversation, but I know his... I just um, always feel like New Jersey folks yeah. are very, like, prideful from where they're, where sure. they're from. So, that's why. Oh, Patterson? Well, that's why. We well, were he was asking me about, about Bruce. Because uh, yeah, like Bruce was ever, from New Jersey. If we oh, had, like, when a you New said, Jersey... When you say <laughs> Bruce without a last name, I assume oh. uh, Springsteen? Oh, fair enough. I I wasn't even thinking about. Bruce. I love fair I enough. love I love both Bruce's, but for very different reasons. Right. Yeah, I have. I just saw the most ridiculous Bruce Willis movie. But oh, which one? Uh, so, yeah, you t- are you familiar that, <coughs> that there that there's just like a whole industry of direct to video Bruce Willis movies? Yeah. Have you seen Marauders? I haven't. Oh my god! It's like my favorite movie of last year. That's not really true. But I really liked it. Right. Got, it. It's like legitimately a good movie. Mm. It's like 
it's a bank heist movie with a heart and a story. All right. And it's got Christopher Maloney, it's got Bautista, it's hmm. got Adrian Grenier. It's dope. But that is I not... That I'll, is not, I'll watch it. I'll, I'll get around to watching it, though. I will admit my watch list on IMDb is over 2,000 films big. So, Like I said, when we were driving there, I keep saying, like, you got time. You're, yeah. yeah. The, Plenty of time. What's, what's awesome is you have a lot of time, and you get to... You can watch... And, you the you know our mm-hmm. show is all about like we watch the movies we want to watch like sometimes we'll I'll just only watch French films for a week and then I'll just watch romantic comedies for a week and I I try to I try to evaluate them equally. Mm-hmm. Now this movie I saw last night what is called uh, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Venice where Bruce Willis uh, oh, yesterday yeah. Yeah, yeah something with his dog or something is that what this one is oh yeah it's like. It's like it's it's John Wick the romantic comedy, but without the romance. It's a dark it's a dark comedy. He plays an aging skateboarding private investigator <laughs> who owes a bunch of money and is is one of his best clients is the actor that played the Hebrew Hammer. Yeah. And Jonathan Silverman. And his assistant is Thomas Middleditch. His best friend is John Goodman, who owns a surfboard store. Who looks like he's having the time of his life in this movie, and his dog gets gets robbed by some by some uh, heroin addicts, but they give the dog to a Mexican drug lord played by Jason Momoa. It is a comedy, and oh, and also the actor that played Avon Barksdale and uh, Alpo in in um. Oh, from The Wire and, yeah. and from the first... Oh, he's in Creed, too, also. Oh, what is his... Yeah, we, I know who you're talking about. Right. Yeah. He played Alpo, right? In, yes. In... What's that movie? Oh, Cam... Uh, Harlan. Uh, wait, wait, oh, wait, man. Wait. Oh, boy. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a fun, early aughts Harlem drug film based off of a rap album name that we should know that, that was really good. Yeah, I know. That's what we were literally talking about. But that's fine. I can't even blame it on it being early right now. But um, I can blame yeah. it on like sometimes like we just talked about a gazillion things. This is true. This is so, true. So yeah, I uh, I, mean, I, I blank out on stuff all the time. Yeah. I've been catching up on Bruce. the good thing is most people listening to this podcast aren't yelling right now like they know the name <laughs> paid, of it. Paid in full. Paid in full. Paid yes, in full. there paid you go. Full. Yeah, and I um, did that without yeah. aid of the internet. Yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah, there's a lot of Rockefeller films. Had, has a strange oeuvre. State you have, prop- the, you have state property, state property to the woodsman. The wood. Yeah. Do you count that as a Rockefeller? Yes. I get, well, okay. All right. Yes. It's it's the most different one. <laughs> yes. Uh, Kevin death, Bacon. De- have you seen of- the woodsman? Kevin Bacon, most deaf. It's it's really good. Uh, yeah. The 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 cover of the photo- of the poster is um, is Kevin Bacon holding a uh, holding a dodgeball, and that's because that's because he's a child molester. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, an intense ending. Yeah, yeah, and w- was that directed by? No, it wasn't directed it was, by. It was produced by Damon Dash and Lee yeah, Daniels. Lee Daniels, that's which is the movie that 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 had Dave, Damon, Damon Dash, Dash run up on him at a Diana Ross concert asking for two million dollars. It yeah. was amazing. So for with all this hype around that, I think people should go see The Woodsman because it's a good movie. It's a it's a really good movie. It's mm. you know, uh, it's funny because. So the woods men. The woodsmen, yeah. yeah. Men. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, so people got really up in arms about the three-dimensional storytelling of huh. of sexual predators in, like, the movie Little Children or Happiness. Yeah. And both of those movies I really hate. Um, um, 
I've been meaning to watch Happiness for a while. It's one of my It's favorites. the most horrific film you'll ever see. It's done very well. The reason why I hate it is just because I feel like dying afterwards. It, oh, right, Todd right. Salons. It's just like super like yeah. bleak and like. And Todd Salons is a, is a, I'm he's brilliant. Right. But his movies are anti Prozac for me, which is why I don't watch him. He's but, also got that theme in just about every one of his movies yeah, too. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. And and there's sort of there's a quasi sequel to Happiness as well, um, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's yeah palindromes. Palindromes. Which is, um, and The Woodsman is, is actually quite a good movie mm-hmm. it's, it's just the, the subject matter it is very is, dark is dark I, so yeah I did have a I, sure there was that question no Life During Wartime I'm sorry Palindromes is the sequel to Welcome to the Light sequel Welcome to the Dollhouse I apologize listeners Jeez. yeah cause like uh, Lindsay was getting mad yeah I know she was like what what yeah. ah. <laughs> I will, I, I will respond to your email. I've been very busy, but you're the best. Um, so my question okay. that I had while thinking about your talking about Moonrise Kingdom. Sure. And again, it's up to you if you answer. Okay. I was wondering if your character in the movie had Asperger's or, it was, or just like Wes Anderson has such a quirky way of dealing with human emotion and matter-of-fact presentation of... Sentences? Sure. Uh, I will say that never came up, like, in conversation, like, whether or not he was on the spectrum or anything like that. Um, Though there were certain words that he did tell me to, like, mispronounce, like, depressed. He told me to say depressed. That one, I I remember, I very much remember that. And there were also, I just remember in general, like, because also, right before I filmed, then the other thing, too, that not only did they cut my hair, but I also was wearing braces at the time. So they took those out, obviously, um, mm-hmm. when I had a film, because be really anachronistic. Right. Have braces sure. in a sure. film that takes place in the 60s. Because it is a period um, piece, yeah. So, I mean, I, I probably was saying words maybe a bit weird, just because, you know, you kind of say things a bit differently when you first sure. get them off. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had them for four years, so I know what that's like. I I'd had them, I think at that point I'd had them for, it wasn't even a year yet. It was like oh. nine months, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it was still like long enough that like the first couple weeks were like, uh, you know, when I'm yeah. speaking. Because yeah. I, I uh, thought your character might be on the spectrum, but I, sure. liked, I liked how how it wasn't, it was just like a, a thing. Right. Well, I mean, I don't, <coughs> I mean, was that even like, would that it have been like something that, would have like at during that time period like oh he i mean like that wouldn't in that town i mean asberg the 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 spectrum has existed but i do agree that he wouldn't have been diagnosed yeah i'm I'm just more asking from like a subtextual sure sure this is going to be the most pretentious sentence i've ever said on the podcast okay i was asking from a subtextual lens sure yeah i get what you mean uh yeah no i i I mean, I think that's just something that could be like up to your interpretation, I guess. I, I don't have a firm answer either way. Right, it's, I will just, my, say it's that, just my yeah, curiosity. I will say that that was not a, a discussion I, I ever remembered having with, with Wes about the character. Do you like the poem Patterson? Uh, I, yeah, I like... I'm not a super uh, poem... like. I don't know a whole lot. I just, you know, had poem poetry units when I was in, like, high school and stuff. Hmm. Uh, so, but, yeah, I mean, I like, I, I, I like 
uh, William Carlos Williams stuff. Or like yeah. I like uh, I love the like wheelbarrow and uh, right. um, the what's that where uh, it's like the kid getting busted for taking food out of the pantry or whatever. What's it? Oliver Twist. No, um, the the poem. It's not a. It's like. Uh, I'm sorry. It was like I couldn't help myself. They were the the whatever it was was like so good. Yeah. It's like four lines. It's mm-hmm. like that's all it is. I just think it's like a funny little. Oh. I'm trying to remember what it's called, and they say it in Patterson. He reads yeah. it in Patterson. I mean, it, and it's also just like a, a Twitter joke format now as well. Right. Um, <laughs> well, oh, I, now I know exactly. Once you said, yeah. oh, geez, once you said that, now yeah. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Right? Yeah. Right. What was it? What I loved about Patterson was that it rekindled my love of poetry because right. poetry in the modern world seems like such an extravagance or something that we don't take very seriously sure. and it's a really beautiful powerful form yeah and that i just i i watched that movie was like jazzed on life love that fucking movie you did a great job Thank by you. the way and i ordered patterson the the poem because i hadn't read it and it was at a time that i was getting back into poetry i was mm-hmm. reading uh, this wonderful collection my mother was a freedom fighter by Aja Monet or this mm-hmm. book called Look and then friend of the show Carlos uh, gave me all these poetry books that I'm still that I'm still reading he's gonna love this episode yeah he's by he's, the way he's, he's, he's we have good. a friend who loves Patterson uh, so much so that he would take trips to Patterson wow to the locations wow write poems take pictures do he had like a project he would do side by side compare like he found my site <clears throat> Pinland Empire mm-hmm. and that's like the crux of what I do is compare movies yeah and then he was like sending me Facebook messages and I was just like who is this guy and then like at the, around the same time Scott was like yeah this guy Carlo wants to come on the show he's been like oh Car- oh he's the guy that's been messaging me yeah he'll do like he'll reenact like a photo of him doing something from Patterson like oh, to, really to the movie yeah, that's really so. funny and also yeah. friend of the show and my friend uh, and your friend mm-hmm. Mikhail Carradine Mimoff oh yes sorry for pronouncing your last name the way I just did I hope you forgive me uh, he also he's like he's unsure that that Patterson isn't his favorite Jarmusch movie mm-hmm. because he loved the the meditative story of it yeah mm-hmm. I'm yeah for me I was like he's Jarmish might be top five, no question, to the point where like I don't like to blow smoke. So if there's certain films, I I always felt there was like somewhat of a lull between Broken Flowers and Patterson. Like mm-hmm. Limits of Control was like it was okay, it was fun, and then yeah. Only Lovers That Left Alive was cool. I, like I have nothing negative to say. Like sure. it was cool, but Patterson's the first movie since Broken Flowers that made me just like whoa. I saw that at TIFF actually, and he gave a really good Q and A. It was him, Adam Driver, and the actress from the Oscar for right, movies. Right, um, right. His, the, the one wife. who plays his yeah. wife, yeah. yeah. He gave. Um, it was a really good talk. He was a little. He seemed a little cynical to some to some of the questions, but uh, I, I guess Jim? yeah. Um, I've seen him speak many times. I've met him before, but I'm right. talking about that particular one. Sure. But I also feel like we've, if you do a whole day of interviews and you stuff, get, after you can while, get, you, you, can get you, you know, like, we've, I can imagine. we've all been part of or at I score films, so uh, we've all been part of like a movie Q and A, right. They can be awful. They can people, be. People ask questions that are just like, <laughs> "You graduated high school? This yeah. is this yeah. is such a, you know what I mean?" Yeah. So I, I, mean. so I never judge people on that sort of thing because you, because like you never like people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like anytime that like there is some sort of like controversy because an actor said like something mean during an interview or whatever. Yeah. yeah I I tend to. Like, <laughs> 
When did empathy or sympathy or compassion go out of the way? In the last, last few years. So, so, so if you have any sort of renown, you can't have a bad day? Yeah. Like you and yeah. I, you're one of my closest friends. Yeah. Sometimes I'm rude to you. It's not on purpose. Sure. Sometimes you're rude to me. It's sure. not on purpose. And guess what? It's okay. Because then if you mm-hmm. ask for context, like, oh, today sucked. Like, well, I understand why it was a little more difficult for you to, mm-hmm. like, not yeah. be super nice. Yeah, like, I get, I whenever I see the, those kinds of things, obviously there's, you know, a spectrum, like, if, if someone says something really terrible, sure. then, like, yeah. you, you know, then it's, like, not great, but, up, like, but, yeah. But, yeah, like, but, um, like one day I gave Marcus the wrong type of milk and he told me that I was a failure and that nobody liked me and that I was going to die alone. It felt like incongruous, you know? Why would you give me 1% milk? I mean, exactly. He's like, I'm not a one percenter, part of the 99. Right. This, this, that was a joke, guys. I'm but 5%. I, nice. No, I'm not. I take that back. I don't want any problems. I'm not 5%. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I Here's the thing. I'm not a five percenter because one, I'm white, and that's Everlast from House of Pain. Yeah, but five percent. I don't think he's five percent anymore. But oh, I think he's oh. just Muslim. Oh, okay. But he's awesome. Yeah, oh, he's, absolutely. He's, he's he's a legend and a great absolutely. dude. Absolutely. I I I think the. Are you familiar with five percent ideology? Nation of gods and earth. So you know RZA. Yeah. RZA and Grant Brand Nubian and many and Buster Rhymes. No, no, I don't think X Clan is. They're um, just. A lot, a lot of rappers from the 90s were part of a offshoot of Nation of Islam called the Nation of God and Earth, the five, the 5% mm-hmm. Nation, which is not Nation of Islam, but it, mm-hmm. but was it... It was founded by a former Claire, member of Claire the Nation. Clarence 13X? Clarence 13X. He, yeah. he, he left, and he, cause, and he started this movement where, like, numbers have power yeah. and... And acronyms as well, and just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Like, a lot of, if you listen to classic Wu-Tang, like, a lot of the Wu-Tang slang... That's all just five percent talk and five percent ideology. Huh. So and yeah, they believe that 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 man is God and specifically black man. The black is man God. is God. Yeah, and that if you take uh, arm, leg, leg, arm, head, that also spells out Allah. Yeah, hmm. it's it's very yeah, and, and it means full circle. A lot right. like like when you're in rap music, if you hear I self Lord and Master, it's like Islam I S L A M. And a lot, of, but like a lot of rappers who are so like for example like Wu Tang Clan, uh-huh. witty, unpredictable talent, and natural game is what that also stands for. Like the Wu Tang right. or like Black Moon brothers who lyrically act right. and combine. But but also acronyms are really popular in rap. Because no, but those I'm just saying those like Guru right. Gifted Unlimited runs like those specific guys are five percent. Yeah, but like Karis One Knowledge is supreme huh. over nearly everyone. He's not. Yeah. Or Beastie. Beastie boys entering a stage toward internal excellence boys. But that comes from still hip like no, no yeah. question, no question. Kane, Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane. Uh, and uh, I think AZ was because because he was because AZ was Asiatic. Yeah, Asiatic. I think he still is. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I st- I'm one of the few guys that still keeps up with what AZ's doing. Well, AZ uh, AZ's gotten better over time. Yeah, yes. he makes great music. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, basic instructions before leaving Earth Bible. Um, so it was, yeah. So it was it was it was an idea, and their their base their biggest three why they called the five percenters was that they believed that there were eighty five percent of the world deaf, dumb, blind, can't see, uh, mm-hmm. not not literally of course, but sure. like spiritually, like, yeah, spiritually blind people, people unwilling to put on the glasses like and they live, yeah, uh, and then 10%. there's then there's the ten percent who Make actively willingly. Um, take care of you know hurt people and then there's the 5% who are aware and trying to change 
So I've always liked the ideology. Absolutely. Because I, I think that, that percentage mm -hmm. is, is unfortunately, I think there's even more deaf, dumb, and blind these days. Yeah. A lot of evil and, yeah. and the, the righteous few, I would never call myself righteous, but people mm -hmm. who are like willing to try to change the world. Mm -hmm. I They're, never had the, yeah, I never felt I'd have like the, um, whatever the word is to even commit to being it's it's very just like you need a lot of uh god what, what's the word just discipline, discipline. Jeez, yeah that's the word i was looking for yeah to, to even do that so right. i just respect it from afar sure. which is although you were in a movie with a five percent uh five percent although you didn't share a scene method man from oh Wu yeah yeah five percent that was uh yeah an yeah. unexpected an unexpected scene i always think well that in general i always going back to patterson too i always what i loved and didn't love but loved about sure. Patterson. I kept thinking something's gonna happen to the dog. Oh, like that yeah. was very intentional. Mm -hmm. Like from the guys like driving, driving up and, by, like, and then, and then yeah. the other there was another a couple of times in that movie yeah, when he goes into wanted, the bar. They wanted you to think that. Yeah. And then like a couple yeah. times when he goes to the bar, he leaves his dog outside yeah. and it's like, Okay, he's gonna come out and the dog's gonna be gone. Or when towards the end when he runs outside to the mailbox, like, oh, sh please don't have him get hit by a car. Please don't or, do this. Or, like, or when he spoiler alert destroys the Yeah. All the poetry at the Which end. Which is a great line. I don't like you, Marvin. That's and such then, a great And then, like, he takes him, like, off screen, like, to the, he, like, puts him in the basement or whatever, and, like, you're like, and at least for me, the first time I was watching it, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's yeah. gonna happen to the dog? Because, again, when I filmed my scene, I only knew that one scene. I wasn't given a full script or anything. Oh, wow. okay. So I literally just knew that one scene, and up until when I first, the first time I watched the film. Can you talk about that? Because, sure. like, for those that don't know, you, it's literally you share a scene with the, your co-star from Moonrise Kingdom. Mm -hmm. um, what, like, so yeah, that intentional. Uh, yeah, that was all very intentional. Okay. I So the way I, what had happened was like I found out from my managers that that you know that Jim wanted to see me for a thing, or he wanted to like sit down with me and like talk to me about a project. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Like, I had no real idea. I just, at that point, I knew it was a film called Patterson, and it was about a poet slash... The, the description said, a film about a poet, uh, a bus driver and a poet, and poet in Patterson, New Jersey. And so at first, I was like, is that the same person? Is there a bus right. driver and a poet? And they right. become friends? What is this? Right, right, and so right. that, that's a movie I would like. Yeah, And, and that's then, a movie Jim Jarmusch would make, too, I totally. think. Yeah. And so then, like, you know, I started watching, like, Jim's films because like again he up until that point he was someone who i knew about for you know, a long time you, yeah. and just had never gotten around to watching his film so then when i found out that he wanted to see me i watched like i watched dead man um ghost dog broken flowers only lovers left alive um i think those are the ones i watched and then now i've seen a few more since then but so i watched those and then have you seen uh, the early early stuff at all I've seen the earliest, yeah. second, earliest, third feature, sorry. Earliest I've seen of his, I think, what was that? I don't know. Uh, earliest I've seen of his, I think, is uh, Mystery Train. Yeah. Well, Down by Law is before Mystery Train. Yeah, Down yeah. Lab, I mean, I'm, I haven't seen Down by Law yet. Oh, I thought, oh, for, I'm sorry. I'm just saying that the earliest oh, oh, of sorry, his sorry. films yeah. that I've oh, seen gotcha, gotcha. at this point is, gotcha, gotcha. I think it's Mystery Train. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but Down, anyway. Down by Law is, is a masterpiece. I've seen a clip from Down by Law, and it was a fun moment and so I, I need to see that I need to watch that um, but anyway so back to Patterson so at that point I had no idea that it was like he was planning on having us like cameo in the movie and so I didn't even realize that Kara was going to be there until I think maybe the day of or the day before like mm -hmm. I think oh, nice. our, her mom like 
texted my mom about it or, or something. I forget exactly how that went down. So yeah, I found you know, out about Kara that she was going to be there either the night before or during the drive up to like the meeting with Jim. And so then I got there, we said hi, Kara and I, and then we went in to meet with Jim and he basically just like asked us if he wanted to do the scene for the film. And we both were like, yeah, of course, you know. Nice. Must have been really uh, no audition or anything. Yeah, Just no like audition. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, it, was, it was pretty cool. And then we met him again a few weeks later to uh, just, like, rehearse the scene. Uh, and then a few weeks later, it was Columbus Day, 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was when we filmed our scene. And I only remember that because that was a day I had off from school, so I didn't have to worry about, like, homework or anything. It was, like, really nice. nice. Indigenous Peoples Day. We we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock they landed on us. <laughs> I guess that's weird for a white Jewish kid to say, but I mean, as another white yeah. Jewish kid, I I understand that. I like that. That's a that's a that's a good. So we're gonna slowly wrap up this episode. Sure. Um, what? Uh, I, yeah, and then I guess going back to Patterson, that all the the cameo that was all very intentional, like him homage, like yeah. it was like his way of homaging, like. Giving an homage to Wes. Which you do, have you ever seen um, Night on Earth? I haven't. Not the yet. theme to that movie is great because each story is an homage to one of his filmmaker friends or mm-hmm. someone he admired. So like, first story with Winona Ryder and Jenna Rollins, who's Cassavetes as well. That was an homage to Cassavetes. The second story is an homage to. Um, oh, wait, Spike that's the, the, the is that the taxi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the first. Um, Bit with Renona, with Renona yeah, Ritter. that was to yeah. John Cassavetes. Right. Second story, Spike Lee. Third's Claire Denis. The fourth is Roberto Benigni. Well, that's because that's his boy. And then the last right. is Taaki Karismaki. So that's like his. Right. Thing. He does that quite a bit. I mean, yeah. Jim. He's a champion. I mean, given what my my own website is like, he's his one of his famous yeah. quotes is just like steal from everything, mm-hmm. yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. So, do, yeah. do you think there there would be like a good a good rhyme is like eating pocky, watching Karismaki. Once mm-hmm. I'm done, I gotta take a cocky. Did you just make that up? I, yeah, that's pretty dope. Literally just made that up. That's dope. Yeah, we have it recorded now. So when you want to do your, uh, we got your bars recorded. If you want to do an album, that is a cool. That is a cool line. Yeah, eating that's pocky, cool watching Karismaki. Mm-hmm. After I got to take a cocky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People that know me for a while, they call me Scotty. There you go. Go yeah, on. I'm like really bad at like thinking at like coming up with stuff on the spot like that. I think it has to do with just like. I think, I I mean, you seem to be like a great young guy, uh, and there are, I think just like, because of these computers in our hands, our need to be super quick on our feet is just a little bit different. Yeah. So. I'll admit, I agree, because just because like, even now, if you ask me like what my favorite films are, like what I've seen, I always have to turn to this to like remember, just because I'm too afraid of like forgetting, you know? Right. I'm not, because... Whatever I say sure. is is important to me now, because sure. like I have my like I was talking. This is this is a fun thing. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'll, spoiler alert: We're having him on for another episode. We'll talk about that on the next one. Yeah. What's your favorite? What's your favorite book though? Ooh, that's a short question. I'm not as good of a reader, nearly as good of a reader as I am with films. I'll, I'll just say up front. In fact, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I the, read about the last movies. the last book I read on my own time for fun was I think the Disaster Artist, okay, which is the you know the mm-hmm. room book, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which I enjoyed. I think I read it like in one sitting too, because I think that's also partially why I'm not as big on reading is because I'm bad at like 
reading a small chunk and putting it down and picking it up, reading a little bit more, putting it down. I have to, like, read as much as I can in, mm-hmm. like, one sitting. All right. Uh, so I just don't do it a lot just because reading is, like, you know, a bit of a time commitment. And then also, I guess I've just been thinking more and more about it, and I think something about the fact that, like, when I'm reading something, I'm, it's like I'm making... It's all in my own head, you know? Right. That whole thing, and I, I forget about thoughts all the time, whereas, you know, when I'm watching a film, it's, like, something tangible like it's like right there in front of me like I'm watching it you know I'm yep. not like form, forming it in my head right like so I, I feel like maybe that could because I've always tried to figure out what, what it was about like film that I gravitated more toward than like literature I think for and me I could be wrong and that's I could a very be, filmic way of looking like you don't want to watch 40 minutes of a movie and then come back to it in most right. cases yeah. so it's for me, the reason why I love films is because it's the easiest form of mindfulness practice. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I know I don't look like it, but I practice mindfulness sure. every day. It's what keeps me grounded. Mm-hmm. And watching a movie in the theaters, I let me say, because it's very difficult for me to watch a movie at home because I grab my phone, I do lots of other mm-hmm. shit. But I go to the theater, you turn your phone off, mm-hmm. you just watch. Right. And you just... To, it's very hard. It's, it's incredibly difficult to do something mindfully where you're, all you're doing is being present in that mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. So uh, films allow you, they do most of the work for you. Right. The, all you have to do is just sit there and shut up and exactly. watch. Exactly. Yeah. Other stimuli, gone. Right. Um, your phone, off, is, mm-hmm. unless you're a bad person. Yeah, unless uh, you're a jerk and or have a family emergency. <coughs> right. Or like quite a few of the people at TIFF this year, more than any of the year. It was pretty bad. You would, you would, you would think no, but there were... A lot of lights on in some in some press screens. I'm just saying, like the light, yeah. like everything. It's like the perfect situation to meditate, but you're mm-hmm. doing an active meditation. Right. You're watching a movie. Right. So, yeah, no hesitation. Watch films for meditation. Mm. to hold palaver on you stream with black gallagher float down the river when i couldn't paddle much further ricky steamboat got up on a two count after a stone cold stunner heard the theme music said oh boy that's a real bummer i still dance when i hear that sweet chin music repeat the same sins fluid sit tight while the caveman thaws announce my presence like bone saw mcgraw Laid on my back, the bright lights circling I am not Hercules, not even a distant relative Open mic tried to tell me that this is all relative But I have found objective truths in egg fried rice and fruits I'm pissed in Honda, bruh Floating down the canal in a beat-up gondola I poison the aquifer with awkward non-sequiturs I enter just to exit, now repeat back that message, sir I'd like to be a better man I'd like to be a better man Get better at making sandwiches Perfect my figure four leg lock to deal some damages Cut my afro locks off to brandish wages The wild caveman's been trained to be slavish Coated DNA fable sent by splintered RCA cable Red, white, and yellow Belly like avid camp enthusiasts I stay hella smelly A limperous imperfectionist interjects a kiss over the sample's hiss 
And that's a lot of S words Get nervous when I have to navigate those breast curves I'm just an awkward little boy still That Chinese food money keeps my billfold bulge for real I'll hit up LeBron for a verse Before I upload myself to the Tron universe You mogs worry about sagging jeans and street cred I worry about hyper beams and being de-rezzed Sit at a desk in a kilt like I'm Rowdy Roddy Piper Playing Delta Force 3 as Team Sniper And yes, I'm wearing a headset And all my best friends, I talk to them on TeamSpeak And all my heroes are professional wrestlers I don't feel the need to be the best thing ever shout louder from the watchtower who can shout louder from the watchtower who can shout louder from the watchtower who can shout louder from the watchtower